0: Uh, we believe the church is rising. We don't believe the church is stepping back. We believe we're stepping forward. Somebody shout amen. And we believe that this is a time to armor up. And I want to help you with some of these understandings as we're walking through armor up. Uh, be strong in the Lord. And In fact, go to that next slide if you would, Keith. It's just a, just, just I emphasize certain things. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So some of you are strong in some stuff, but you ain't strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Because it doesn't matter how strong you are financially or how strong you are, you know, you got all this, you know, I'm glad you got all kinds of education and all that, but you need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, right? And, I, and that you may be able to stand. Somebody shout stand, shout, you have to be able to and against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So this is a very clear statement. You, you got to be careful or you will be fighting. You'll find yourself fighting the wrong battle. You think your battle is against your employer. Wrong. It's not. You know. Well, I got to fight him. He's against me. No, you, you have to understand. Again, we are living on enemy occupied territory. You don't understand that. And some people say, well, you know, I'm I'm not for God. I'm not for anything else. No. You are for one or the other whether you know it or not. You are either fighting for the kingdom of light or fighting for the kingdom of darkness. People don't even know they are. You you know, this is kind of, of, probably makes you feel bad. But before you found Jesus, you were controlled by the kingdom of darkness. You didn't even know that. So, and then he goes on, uh, but against not flesh and blood, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. He goes on uh, and says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Shout that. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then we go into the army of the Lord, or the armor of the Lord. And then in verse 17, take, read this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we talked somewhat, Marshall, hey Mar, there's Marshall back there. I talked about him last week. When I was out of town on the 4th, Marshall covered this. And the helmet of salvation is not just in Ephesians, okay? Uh, you can read about it in different uh, other places. One is First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. He says, your helmet is the hope of salvation. Hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, whether we wake or sleep. We should live together with Him. And again, Marshall covered this so beautifully. I want you to put on your helmet of salvation. Remember this. Remember what God did. He did not spare His own Son in order to redeem you. Did you get that? If He he would not spare His own Son... How much more hope should we have for salvation? Don't you know he'll do anything he has to to get you? He's pouring out his love and his grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Uh, Today, uh, I want to talk to you. I'm trying to rip right through this. I want to talk to you about the sword of the Spirit. And I want to say, bring on the offense. Somebody shout, bring on the offense, shout it. Look, somebody say, bring on the offense. I was in Ohio uh, a few months back. Now, see, it was not really that long, but I took a quick trip to see my dad. And I got a phone call while I was there uh, from my, from uh, your associate pastor happens to be my son, Preston. Said, Dad, I don't know if you heard about it, but there's been a uh, someone has hacked the Colonial Pipeline, and you may not be able to get gas on your way back once you get into Virginia. Uh, anybody remember when? Anybody remember when you couldn't get gas? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? You still alive? Look at that. Anybody get stressed when you heard that? Yeah, I did. I was driving back. I need to get back. I, I bought myself some empty gas cans, and evidently, everybody wanted gas cans. I put a couple in the back. I figured in my little renegade, I could get down the road. on ten. I can fill my tank up with 10 gallons of gas and get way down the road. Yeah, I know you're jealous of my little car now, but uh, so I'm returning from Ohio, and and the word was, you know, I got that little Gas Buddy app. Anybody got that Gas Buddy? You get the app, Gas Buddy, and it'll show you where the cheapest gas is in town, or it was showing then who had gas. So uh, I I filled up my tank just before I crossed from West Virginia because West Virginia had gas. But then you got over the line and they started shutting gas lines back. So we prayed and kept driving. And I, I never did fill up those gas tanks. I didn't. I still got those empty gas tanks in my garage right now. But it concerned me that what had happened was there was a criminal gang known as the Dark Side that was able to through computers, hack in to the computers, at, through. At the, and I don't know all the specifics, so if, if you want me to be really technical about it, I'll just give you the Ricky Gene Hawker version of it. They hacked in, they figured out a way to get in through their computers and shut down all of the gas lines so that nobody could get gas and the gas line that was coming would not work. So I don't know about all that. You can ask somebody who's a lot smarter than me. But uh, it, somebody say hacker. hacker. My name is Hawker, not Hacker. Uh, I have, people have mispronounced my name on a few times. I've had people call me Rick Hooker before. And I said, I am not a hooker. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. And then I've had people misuse my name as if they were clearing their throat. To which I forgave them for their ignorance, and then, then I, I, I had two interp- two two translations of my name. If you it, it, historically, one of the names is one who hawks, one who sells stuff. Okay, he's a hawker. The other one is a speaker of the truth. I grabbed that one and held on to it. So I'm not a hacker. But can I tell you that we are in a day and age where people want to hack your account? You get a little irritated. Somebody sent me an invitation on Facebook to uh, become friends with my deceased father-in-law. Evidently, Paul Davis has a new Facebook page. And so somebody, and they can play with that. Anybody can do that. Anybody can. You just find a page and you make your own little thing up. And then my dad sent me a new, new one. And I, I made my dad's original Facebook page. I built that for him. It's not that difficult, but I'm not a computer genius. But I, knew, I know my dad and I know he didn't have one, so I, I turn all those bad boys in. But here's something else people want to do. They want to get your password and they want to steal your identity. So that they can steal your money. But I don't want anybody like, you don't like, how many don't like changing your password? Your password's still your last name. Your password is still password. And what I want you to understand is, and and I got some some guys who work in uh, computer security, cybersecurity. I got some people in this church that work in cybersecurity. And here's the deal there are people who are evil, that want to steal your identity, and you don't want to do anything about it. I didn't get an amen right there. And, and, and it's not just there, it's on the computer. When you save your information on a website, then they, all they have to do is get to hack that website... And then, I'm going to preach here in a minute, just stay right with me. I want you to know that hacking is demonic. Did I tell you that? And if you are a hacker, Jesus is after you. But hacking didn't just start today. Hacking has been going on for a long time. Because the enemy found the password to your thought life. And he has been telling you that you are somebody that you are not. He's been hacking into words, and he will use other people to speak lies to you, and they'll speak that, and you will believe that, and the next thing you know, you will have a gender identity disorder. I'm preaching the truth right now. I'm just telling you that the enemy is busy right now disrupting the identity of God's people. He's trying to tell you that you are nobody, that you are nothing, that you are not loved, that nobody cares for you. He's trying to tell you that God's word is a lie and that you have believed a lie. One guy told me the other day that he had a relative who just decided that he had been brainwashed ever since he was a child about all this Jesus stuff and left Jesus. Can I tell you that the devil is a liar, and he wants to hack your identity and steal your inheritance. Come on. Preaching to somebody. Help me preach today, Jesus. Sometimes I get up in the morning, and I look at my closet, and then I ask my wife, who is the administrator of my world, and my sweetheart, and still my girlfriend, what are we doing today? And I'm asking her because my activities and my, my meetings will dictate what I'm going to wear. Like, I didn't dress like this at the funeral yesterday of Sister Arnett Smith. I wore a black suit and a real nice tie. had a little kerchief in my pocket. And some people say, Pastor, you wear suits on occasion. Yes, I do. On occasion. All right? Sometimes I'll wear a sport jacket, but it's it's mid-July right now, brothers and sisters. I'm wearing a short-sleeved shirt because that's what Jesus wants me to wear. If I'm not meeting anyone, I don't have to look pastoral. I'll wear my shorts and flip-flops and a tank top. That's all right with me. All right, but sometimes what you're wearing dictates what you believe you are going to experience that day. You don't wear sweats to go lay out on the beach. I'm preaching to someone. My daddy, if you have met my father, and he hasn't been here in years and years. By the way, his birthday was last week. He turned 83 years old, and he will preach this morning. So, uh, But my dad stands about this tall. All right? Uh, he has... You know, I, I think I was taller than him by the time I was about 10 years old. I really did 11 years old. And I'm not a tall man, but my dad thinks I'm tall, all right? So I don't care how tall you are. I'm the tallest man in my family, all right? There. But dad was coaching us about life as boys. You know, I'm one of four sons, and he was coaching us one day. And he said, sons, you always, you always need to be able to defend yourself. You need to be able to do that. And one of the things i found is a lot of people are big, bigger than me. So if you're in a difficult situation, pick up a stick. My daddy told me to pick up a stick. He really did. I thought that was some good advice. So what I'm going to preach to you today is some of you are in a battle and you need to pick up a stick. In fact, probably before you left the house, you should have picked up a stick. I'm not talking about just any stick. I'm not talking about a baseball bat. I'm talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I, I want to I speak to you about this today because uh, Ephesians chapter 6 reads this way. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Read that with me. Which is what? The Word of God. What I want to accomplish today, my goal today... So I want to propel the church toward victory through an offensive engagement. I I don't know if you like this. I said offensive. Now, when I say offense, don't get me wrong. Paul is not saying take up the sword of the flesh and take up the sword of bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness or ego or selfishness. Secondly, he's not saying just get spiritual. He's saying... You need to take up the sword, take some notes, get your note page out right now. Take up the sword of the spirit, shout it, which is the word of God. Clearly what he's saying here is you need to get offensive. Now there are some unbiblical end times position in the world today. Some very non-biblical statements, all right? Recently, I've seen some sad, unbiblical trends coming from some, not all that, prophetic end times teachers. Words which wrongly convey defeat and giving up on those currently suffering because they say it this way, it'll all be over soon because Jesus is coming back. So let me tell you this, it, it will be over, Jesus is coming back. Somebody praise God, Jesus is coming back. But no, 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 don't receive this resignation over evil, okay? I love my brothers in Christ, but I, I disagree with this stance where everybody just hang on. Everybody just hang on, sit back and go to church, but just hang on because Jesus is coming back. One of the teachings that the Lord gives us in Luke nineteen thirteen, where he says, you need to occupy until I come, which is not sit back and hang out. It is, I want you to keep doing my business until I bring you home to be with me. Take what I've given you, invest it, and I want you to keep Building up the kingdom of God. Anybody got the sword of the spirit in your hand? Anybody got it? Somebody shout, keep doing the business of the king. Shout it. Keep doing the business of the king. And Jesus tells us, the church, that we're supposed to be about the father's business. And you've probably heard the concept of a soldier saying, if I'm going down, I'm going down fighting. That's cool. But I want to tell you this. I'm not going down. I'm going up fighting. With the sword in my hand. And I'm unapologetically trust in Jesus I will not be moved I'm going up fighting with the Lord my Lord and Jesus Savior my Savior has ransomed me from sin and its punishment he's purchased eternal salvation for me and his blood has made the way for me to live forever with him eternally I'm not giving up I'm not quitting I'm fired up I'm taking the sword of the spirit and I'm taking as many with me as as I possibly can. Mm, Jesus. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I can't get, I can't get snatched. Somebody, hallelujah, cannot snatch me out. of it? So what does God's business look like? The business we're doing as the church... We're occupying all the way up until he returns. Matthew 10, he said, as you go, preach. 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 Look at somebody and tell them to preach. Would you tell somebody to preach? Preach, Preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As you go, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. Pastor, you ain't talking to me. I'm one of them quiet Christians. Get over your bad self. Luke 10. Heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Somebody shout the kingdom of God. Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to baptize. I'm ba- Who's getting baptized today? I got a couple right here getting baptized. Lynn, was good? I, look. Brother, I got a lot of people I'm baptizing today. Yeah. But plus I'm baptizing three little girls at the beginning of next service too. Anybody know Dasha? And come on. Veronica and Tanya, I'm baptizing all three of them today. Praise Jesus. Let me, let me tell you, we need a better understanding of what it means to take up the sword of the Spirit. What does it look like? Okay, so the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes. Say that with me. The sword of the spirit is the word of the God. I got the sword of the spirit. <laughs> uh, when in my boyhood days, you know, I love to talk about this because the older you get, the more like you like to talk about all your old victories. You know, my boyhood days, I was a wrestler. And as a wrestler, specifically in middle school before I moved away and went to a little school, didn't have any wrestling programs, then I played football. But that's because I'm big and burly and weigh about 200 pounds. Never been there. But as a wrestler, uh, I found out that being a good student helped me be a good wrestler. And I was I was always a good student. I was always an A student. And, uh, you know, mom and daddy checked my report card all the time. Made sure, you know, I worked. But it, I don't know what it was, but I studied. And so when we were wrestling uh, and... Uh, you know, my coach was teaching a particular move. At the time, we called it a pancake, because there's another move called a pancake. But uh, it was this really cool standing move. Some of you don't understand what I'm talking about. But when somebody was taking you down, you'd do this reverse kind of half. And then at the same time, you'd grab their chin another way. And then you take the step and flop them over. It was such, it was like, it's still to this day my favorite wrestling move. And one of the reasons my favorite wrestling move is because it was also my last wrestling move okay? Because I was wrestling in the city, city tournament. What well, wasn't my last, but second to, my, second to last. Uh, it was my last pin. But uh, I was wrestling the city tournament in Hamilton, Ohio, and I won that particular tournament. That's right. I'm a city, I'm a city champion. Don't mess with me, okay? And, but, but it's this great little move. And the reason I know it, the uh, reason I, it's so important to me, is not because I watched it done, okay? It's because I watched it I was taught it and then I practiced it and then I used it. I don't know. Did you hear what I taught you just now? I watched it. I learned it. Then I practiced it. And then I perfected it. I u- I perfected it and practiced it. And then I used it. And here's what I u- I used it because I was threatened. All right? I was standing at back weighing in, and this young man looked at me and he said, You Rick Hawker? I said, Yeah, I'm Rick Hawker. And he said, I hear you're undefeated this year. I said, yeah, I'm undefeated. He said, me too. Shame I have to mess up your record today. (laughs) Big mouth. And the one thing I felt when I was going out on the mat that day was I was going to win this match because that boy told me he was going to mess up my record. And so he was running from me. Like a coward. Anybody been in a wrestling match? You know what I'm talking about? I got up there, break down, they blow the whistle, and he starts backing up and all of this. He was afraid of me. He was really afraid of me. I, and this is still really personal to me. I mean, you're looking at me right now. I'm getting up right now. Just think about it. Boy was afraid of me. So rather than chase him, I stopped and I stood there and I put my leg out so that he would come in and try to take me down. By grabbing a hold of my leg. But I knew what I was going to do. I had never done it in a match before. But I remembered what I had watched. And I remembered what I had learned. I remembered what I had practiced. And I knew it was time. To actually perform that. Which I had learned. The boy came after me. It was still the first period. And he had been running from me. For about 40 seconds. He comes after me. And I did exactly what I knew to do. I sprawled on him. I pushed his head down. I, I, I did that little hook and grabbed his chin and took a step. And then the other thing, you, then you got both of their arms right here in your hand. And his head was on my shoulder and we're laying on a mat. The last part is painful. You grab both of his arms and then you roll back into his neck. So his neck is like this. And then his shoulders are in the match. And they slap the mat And I pinned him, and I got up, and I shook his hand, and he walked off crying. I didn't feel bad about it at all. We call it a wrestling match. I said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Some of you, come on, you don't hear what I'm saying right now. Some of you have watched a lot, and you've practiced a lot, but you haven't performed a lot. I can I preach for a few moments right now? The sword of the Spirit is not a big sword. If you look at the translation of the sword of the Spirit, it's not that big giant sword that you see them doing this with. It is that little sword that they, they hook onto the belt of truth. And they get in close contact and they pull it out because now it is life or death. And the enemy is coming after me. So it's sharp, it's double-edged, it is deadly, but you have to... You, come on, you can't just, in close combat, leave that sword hanging on your belt. It, you're going to have to pull it out. And you also need to know what you're going to do with it. Some of you relate. Sometimes the enemy gets close, am I right? He gets into your business, he gets into your home, he gets into your family, gets up in your grill. Come on, this is... This is your evil day. You're under attack. There's conflict. There's chaos. He's threatening you and you keep trying to use everything in the world and nothing else is working. And it seems like it's hand-to-hand contact, but I combat. But I have news for you. When things get close, when you feel the breath of the enemy against you, the only effective weapon in a spiritual battle is the sword of the spirit. Now, this is an offensive thing. He said, What about that shield of faith? What about that blessed breastplate of righteousness? You need to have all of that. But there are times, can I preach this today, that you need to know what you know and you need to use what you know. You need to do more than take a note. You need to read the note. You need to read the word of God. And then you need to use that word of God. Why don't more Christians use the sword of the spirit? One is we don't believe this is a spiritual battle. So we use earthly weapons to defeat a spiritual enemy. And he don't ever go away. You just wake up mad and frustrated. Yell at your husband or your wife or your kids. Because... That's how you're going to take it. I mean, when was the last time you had prayer meeting with your family? I don't know. As soon as I can get in, well, shut up and be still. We'll do something. No, you, okay. We don't understand this. Another reason we don't, we, 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 more Christians don't use the sword of the spirit, is we don't understand how to use the word of God in battle. Do I have time to finish this. Somebody say amen. amen. We'll apologize to everybody else later. But here's the problem, okay? We like the word of God like we like nursery rhymes. We like the Word of God like we like flowers. We like them for entertainment and decoration and to make us personally feel better on occasion. On occasion, we'll actually throw a little, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord on the wall. But it's just for you. You don't use that, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord when the enemy is under attack. Anybody ever said that? Come on. I mean, sometimes you use this term. Well, as long as you're under my roof. But what about, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And rather than just saying that to them, sometimes you got to say it to the enemy. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as your house, but, but your house don't serve the Lord. And you serve yourself or you serve the world. You know, Peter, anybody remember Peter? Slicing off that guy's ear? All right, that was the wrong sword. He wasn't obeying the Lord. Jesus basically told uh, Peter, you need to put your human sword away because this is a spiritual battle. One of the reasons you lose battles is because you use man-made methods for spiritual confrontations. Never use man-made methods for spiritual confrontation. In James chapter 1, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Human anger, Vengeance, rage just doesn't work. God speaks of this and says, vengeance is mine. I'll take care of repaying. God handles things differently than we handle them. The sword is what the Spirit of God will use in your conflict in the evil day. And the reason is that it's the only thing you have is because it's the only thing you really need. The sword of the spirit. The Bible, there are a few different words for the word, word. Few different words. One is graphé. Graphé is the written word. You know, you got, um, anybody got a Bible? I mean, do anybody carry Bibles anymore? Anybody carry them? Anybody got like, look, there's like five Bibles in this room. All right, some people say, I got my Bible. It's right here, Pastor. You know, which, Nobody has an excuse not to read the Bible and do devotions if you've got one of these. Because there are devotional apps you can listen to. You can listen to a sermon about, about anything, anytime you want. Amen. Right? Amen. You can do that. So, but, but, but I remember I had a Bible. I still have. I have a bunch of Bibles. And when I was a kid, I had this little Gideon New Testament. I'd put it under my, my pillow at night to sleep. But I want you to know your Bible is not your rabbit's foot. And your rabbit's foot don't work either. If you think a rabbit's foot is lucky, go ask the rabbit. You are holding. However, the written word is important. You're holding the writings of God in written form. When you put your hand on the book. Anybody ever do that? Do they, do they, still, do they still have Bibles in courtrooms. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. You put your hand on the book and you say, so help me God. L- listen. Those people holding that Bible are not concerned about the message. They're just holding the book. But when the statement that is written is used, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it becomes powerful. So remember, the book that you have is not powerful just because it's laying on your shelf. Then another word is logos, which is the message of the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This goes further. The logos is literally the message of the book. It's more than the writings. It is the truth. Like some of you have read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Now you might quote that. You can quote it, but have you embraced the message of it? Because you can say God so loved and still struggle because you feel unloved. And you feel rejected. And you feel like God is against you. Why? Because you haven't embraced the message of the book. When you come to church and you hear that great preacher preach. And you have an understanding of what the scripture says. What you're doing is you are experiencing Logos. The content is clarified, and you understand the power of the word. But the word mentioned in Ephesians 16 is not what is being mentioned. It's not graphe. It's not logos. Somebody shout rhema. Somebody shout rhema. It is the word spoken and declared. It means utterance. A word spoken or declared in a situation, in a condition. It is the de- declaration of the message, the logos that you got out of the graphe. The rhema is the spokenness of the word that you received from the logos. You Listen, you could be the owner of a Bible factory and still not have a sword in your hand. Too many of us are either stuck in one or the other. Many of you have an understanding of the message, so you have some knowledge, and that's good. But we desperately need, rain a word, in these last days. We need a right now message from God that we not only know, but we use. Sometimes, however, your soul gets in the way of your spirit. I said that. Anybody know what I'm saying? The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit. Hebrews 4 and 12. And joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is the word logos. It is living, it is powerful, and it it is active. If you got logos, you have a sword. doesn't mean you're using it. Why do you need to know that it can divide soul and spirit? Because you have to deal with the invisible battles of your life. Why soul? Because sometimes your soul is messed up. Your soul is influenced by wounds, by the way you were raised, by the way you think, by the boundaries that you have or do not have, your belief systems. Like, listen, this is, a, this is really a, a, a bad example. I ain't going to like it, but I'm going to use it anyway, okay? Like some people believe the word of God. They read the word of God, but they're living in adultery. And you say, well, why are you living in adultery? Because of the way they feel. And they will say things like this. They will say things like this. Well, I know that God loves me, and I really need to be with this individual. Your soul just got in the way of your spirit. And you will come up with false doctrines in order to satisfy the needs of your wounded heart. And I want your heart to be, wound, be healed, but you need the Word of God, the Logos, to come into your life to separate soul and spirit so you know the difference between the truth and a lie. He's preaching the Word today. Somebody thank God that the Word of God will slice you out of the way so that the work of God be, can be accomplished in your life. I'm almost done maybe. The message of God that you're receiving will get you out of the way. In fact, right now, I am preaching a word, and on occasion, you'll hear something from me, and it will jump into your heart, and you will receive it for a moment, but your heart will do battle against the word of God. Your wounds will do battle. Your thought life will do battle. What mama said and what daddy did. Listen, you understand that your generational heart wounds didn't just start with you. It was probably two or three generations before you. If you go back and you just look, some of us live the same life that daddy lived, the same. Life that mama didn't we say why can't i surrender myself to the truth of the word of god and then you hear the devil say cause it don't work and then you agree and embrace that and you walk in. how many have been there anybody but sooner or later you can receive the logos in such a way and then declare it in a rhema, and the sin will lose its stronghold over you and you'll say no to the devil Jesus help him preach today. Listen, if all you get is a Bible verse to memorize, you just got the graph. But if you get a revelation on how your life is to be changed, you're getting the logos because you grabbed the message and accepted it. But you need, listen, the sword of the Spirit is the Rhema of God. The spoken and applied word of God. Say it. The spoken and applied word of God. Oh, this lady, she knows exactly what I need. Look at her. Jesus. Somebody give thanks for... Yeah. Anybody own a sword? I'm talking about you know, one of the metal ones. A sword, hanging on, a sword hanging on the wall as decoration is nothing. But if you take it into your hand and learn its power, you can use it to defeat the enemy. When you pull out the sword and apply it, the Word of God, the Logos, the message, the graphite, the Logos, and then you pull it out... And apply it as a message that you deliver in close battle. You're now applying the Spirit of God. And this is next level warfare. This is something that you have to use. You need to use the utterance of God. Anybody remember the story of creation? In the beginning, God... What's the next word? In the beginning, God created. And how did He create it? God said... Let there be light. And what happened? God what? He said, let there be light. The spoken word, the said word. With the spoken word is the power to accomplish what the word came to do. But remember, he didn't just think it. He declared it. He applied it. Listen, the enemy loves to use your opinion and what your friends have to say. And you can quote all them. You know, you know John has said, you know, it just, what did you hear? But it's important that you can say, this is what the Lord says. Yeah. You see, the enemy comes against you sometimes because he knows your swordplay pretty well. He knows when you're dull on both sides. He loves you to go find out what Oprah has to say because he knows there is no power in that. He knows there's no spirit in all of that. Would you please stop quoting Gandhi for a minute? Would you please stop hanging around with Buddha thinking you're going to get enlightenment in the name of Jesus? Don't you know that they are not the way? They have no truth. They have no life. Let me tell you this. Here's what happened. The enemy is allergic to Ramah. When you start uttering the Logos, when you just, when you will get it out from under your pillow and stop pretending because you hang it in your car that somehow there's power. Listen, I love you to have a good cross. I think you need to look at the cross, but you need to look at it so you can be reminded of the cross of the Lord Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus. When you start speaking the word, somebody say the sword of the Lord. Somebody say it. The sword of the Lord. When you start speaking the word of God, the enemy starts sneezing. Jesus. Let me show show you how this works. Show you my wrestling move, okay? Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 is in the wilderness. Jesus was led up by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I said the spirit led him. The flesh didn't want to go, but the spirit led him in the wilderness to be tempted. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and he said, if, if you are the son of God, what is he attacking His identity. How many know the enemy likes to attack your identity? Anybody know that? Does it make sense to you right now? Does it make sense to you what's going on in our culture right now? It is a demonic attack against our children and our children's children. He is attacking their identity because all they had was the graphe. And they never got the logos. And they're not walking in the rhema. Jesus, Jesus. He said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread because his flesh had a need and that it was hungry. But Jesus answered and said, it is written, graphe, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you are God. Notice what Jesus doesn't do with Satan. He doesn't get into a dialogue with him. He just says, this is what God's Word says. It is written. If the living Word needed to, were needed to use the written Word to deal with the enemy of the Word, then how much more do you and I who have written no Word... We need to use that same word, come on, against the enemy of the word. What makes you think that you're better than Jesus? I'm just going to wait this thing out. Stop waiting it out. Reach in. Open it up. Find the graph, get the message, and then tell the devil where to go. Jesus didn't get into his own feelings. He just declared Deuteronomy chapter 8. Amen. That's what he did. Yeah. In the New Testament, he reaches back to the Old Testament to deal with the, the enemy and defeats him. Story: of Jesus, Jesus went all the way back. So when the Israelites were hungry and they didn't ask the devil for advice, they called on the Lord and he sent them manna literally from heaven. It rained down heavenly bread that supplied all their needs because what they really needed was healing and provision and sustenance, not a temporary fix with a satanic message. The devil always wants to solve your problems in a satanic way. The issue is not that I don't have a need. It is that God has a way to meet my need and the devil has a counterfeit way to meet my need. When the devil heard the rhema spoken word of God, he started sneezing. It's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 11, the devil left him and the angels came to minister to him. What? He didn't have to turn any bread, any stones into bread. The angels of the Lord came. How many have ever had God provide for you? Anybody ever had that? Anybody ever had God just miraculously show up in your life at the right time, at the right moment? I don't know what it was. It was a phone call. It was a check in the mail. But it didn't happen until you said, we're going to trust the Lord with this particular moment. And we're going to take God's word and speak God's word. Some of you are struggling at this very moment. So I want you to stand with me. Everybody stand up with me right now and I want you to begin to use the word of God some of you are struggling we're not fighting for victory we are fighting from a position of victory I am not trying to get victory I am already victorious through Jesus nobody believe that I said I'm already victorious I'm already standing on my higher ground anybody love the word of God Anybody want? Come on. You got to get this. Anybody like the graphe? You like it, don't you? All right. So I don't know where you are. Some of you struggling, going through some things. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. Read it out loud. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Now just come on. Some of you are afraid. Some of you are dealing with it right now. Come on. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. COVID left some of you paralyzed. Amen. 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 Am I allowed to say that? Amen. I'm not telling you nothing like COVID. I ain't telling you all that. Somebody say, oh, no, here he goes. I'm, not, I'm just telling you that nothing should leave you paralyzed in fear. Amen. Nothing. Amen. Am I telling the truth? Nothing, nothing should leave you paralyzed in fear. So somebody say, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. Jesus is the first and the last. Amen. He lives forevermore. He was alive. He was dead and alive forevermore. He has the keys of death and hell. Hell, you have no power over me. Death has no power over me. Come on, Isaiah 54, shout it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. No weapon formed against me. Soon as that thought comes to your mind. Remember, it's a dagger from the enemy. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. First John 5, yes. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Somebody shout, I'm an overcomer. Shout it, I'm an overcomer. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. I'm holding on to what I know. I have victory. I'm an overcomer. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is an overcomer in this house? Is there any overcomers in this room? Anybody? Where are my overcomers? Somebody shout, I believe that Jesus... Is the Son of God? I'm victorious. Somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to dance. First Corinthians ten: No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with that temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What is that? I am not going to collapse this load and struggle is heavy right now but the Lord is going to get me through it and give me the strength to walk if somebody need this wave at me somebody need this wave at me these things I've spoken to you in John 16 that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world Romans eight thirty one. what then shall we say to these things shout it Oh, you ain't shouting with me. Did Did you just leave me standing here? Come on, what shall we say to these things? Shout it! If God is for us, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us? Got way too many scriptures. How many know you need it? You see what's happening. Go ahead take a look at the sword you have in your hand right now. It's sharper than it was before you when you walked in the door. Sin is losing its power and its struggle over you. You lost confidence that God's going to get your children and the enemy's going to take his hands off of your babies. And right now come on hold that right in your hand. Hold it in your hand. Proverbs 21 and 31 the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we shall remember the name of the Lord our God. I'm gonna get. I get my deliverance. Deliverance is mine. Come on, l- one more scripture. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Some of you were about to quit, Would you hold up the sword and just take that word and tell the devil, I'm not going to quit. My labor is not in vain. I have victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. I am not going to quit. I will be steadfast. I will be immovable. You think I've been busy in the past? Wait till you see what I do in the kingdom of God next. Satan, you shouldn't even try to attack me. Now I'm going to mess you up more than I ever messed you up before. Now you just got me irritated. Jesus, let's do some more fair. Let's do some more fair. Let's have some communion this morning. Does that taste good? Would that taste good to anybody? Now, when the service is over, there are people in the parking like I want your seats. So just stay for a second, service. Never mind. Okay, here we go. Listen, this is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. So Jesus said, This is my body. Which was broken to you. Anybody know any scriptures that go with that? What's another scripture that goes with this? By his wounds. My body that was broken. By his wounds, we are healed. I'm taking the body of Christ. I'm going to receive the bread, the broken body of Christ in my life. I choose healing. Somebody shouted, I choose healing. I choose the word of God in my life. Take the bread and eat it and remember God's word. Take the cup. The blood of Jesus Christ. Anybody know anything about the blood of Jesus? Anybody know any word about the blood of Jesus? (laughs) Go ahead, sing that song. I sing some songs that are the word of God. Anybody else with me? He said, take this and I want you to drink it and I want you to remember me. I am covered in the blood of Jesus. Take it and drink it. Jesus, Jesus. I want Spirit Life team to run up here. I want you to run up here like fast as you can. Where's my Spirit Life team? Run up here. Because we're going to do some warfare for some of you. How many need some warfare? Let me tell you something else that we do, okay? And I know these folks that are up here I know they got this. Listen, listen. We don't just pray for you for prettiness. Sometimes people come up and they say, well, I don't know if I want prayer. You know what I need on occasion? I need somebody to draw a sword and fight with me. I need somebody to speak rhema over my life. And sometimes you'll come up here and one of my brothers and sisters, they'll look at you and and you'll say something. Just spread on down, spread on down. You'll say something like... uh, You know, what what do you need from the Lord today? No, God knows. Come on, don't just be quiet about it. Of course God knows. Get into a conversation with somebody that can pray with you. Go ahead and speak about it and let them pray for you, but let them also speak the word of God over your condition or over your situation. Anybody need somebody to do some warfare on your behalf? Where are you? Anybody? Wave at me. Am I wrong about this? In my spirit, I know that there are individuals that need somebody to do some warfare over them on their behalf. So as we complete this service and go into this warfare time for the next few minutes, I bless you. I say the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. Anybody receive this? Or is this a really cute way to do a benediction? The Lord bless you. Somebody say, I receive my blessing. The Lord keep you. Somebody say, I am kept by the Lord. The Lord make His face shine upon me. Say, the Lord is watching me. He's shining over me. The Lord give you peace. Somebody say, I receive the peace of the Lord. Now some of you are struggling, you're struggling in your homes and your families and you've got the word. I want you to come up here as fast as you can. As we are dismissed, I want you to come up as the, as the singers sing and we worship a little bit. You be dismissed in the power and the glory of the Lord. Take your sword home with you and use it. God bless you all bless two or three people before you leave, but I want you to start leaving a seat and coming on down for prayer. I got a lot of people ready to pray for you. Come on down so people can pray for you. I'm going to wait on a minute so people can come on down for prayer. Father, we thank you. Do this work, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, touch your people. Heal your people, Father. Heal your people. Set Set them free, Father. Set them free, Father. Set them free, Lord Jesus. Set them free, Father. Do this work of healing. Brother and Hell, I love you, brother. Praise you, Jesus.